Reading this evening comes from Haggai 1, verses 3 through 5. <clears throat> then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Be seated, please. is that you have gotten one of these uh, handouts. If not, they're located on that back square table. You're more than welcome to them. If you're missing some or you don't have this one or that one or perhaps uh, they're out tonight, if you'll let me know which ones you need, I will make sure uh, that you get those. We're about three uh, books away from being done in the Old Testament. And we're about four lessons away from being in the New Testament. And you say, preacher, your math is incorrect. Well, there is generally in every Bible a blank page that is inserted in between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And we're going to spend a week on that particular page so that we know the climate to which Jesus is being born but now we find ourselves in the book of Haggai. The word, the key words here are build up, consider, and hope. And the key verse I assigned is chapter 1, verse 7. The key phrase that occurs about 15 times is consider your ways. And also in two chapters, the word of the Lord occurs about five times. I think the key chapter in this book, even though there are only two chapters, is chapter 2. As it is, uh, it, it's a telling thing when a person is told by God, you've got to get up and start going again, and they either do that or they don't. And what we find out in chapter 2 is that the nation of Israel gets up. They uh, look at the glory of the latter temple. They look at the future blessings and promise. They look at these blessings through Christ. Haggai closes with a promise to the governor, Zerubbabel. Now, this would be then after they have come back from Babylonian captivity. Remember in Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther that uh, Zerubbabel was the one who was sent back with them to set up the government. And so he's the governor there. He was uh, related by blood to David. He was given a ring, or God's ring. That was a, a ring of complete authority. Haggai's name means the festive one or, or the joyous one. He worked about... 520 years before Jesus comes on the scene. It was about after 16 years that that, that was, 520 is about 16 years after the nation is released from Babylonian captivity. Haggai compels the nation to remember the love of God by discouraging the following. Materialism, laziness, lukewarmness, self-centeredness, defeatism, and indifference to the enemies. Boy, that, that one right there will preach. I don't know if y'all know that or not. That one right there will do it. The book of Haggai furnishes the background of the book as Haggai's role is clearly stated to rebuild the temple. You have some uh, historical things that you mention here. There's a changeover from the Babylons to the Persian, and King Cyrus was on the throne at the time. If you'll read at sources outside of the Bible, uh, those sources that will tell you even more about that are known as the Cyrus Cylinder. It's a, um, 
a copy, if you will, of the newspaper of the day from uh, the Persian Empire, and it'll help you out with some of those things. Uh, Due to inactivity of the people, God sent Haggai to stir them up. And one of the greatest statements written in the Bible was written in this first chapter. You earn wages and put them into a bag, and that bag has holes in it. Turn over, if you will, uh, to where Scott read for us in Haggai chapter 1. And we're going to begin there in a moment. The Bible speaks of two kinds of people. And only two kinds of people. Those who are obedient to God, those who are faithful to God, those who are following after God. And then those who are not. There is no third option found within the Bible, and there is no third option found with God for how people are seen. We live in a society that is clearly and precisely divided. We, we see a group of people, a small group of people, who would take God and His Word at face value and try to the best of their ability, whether that be in the worship service like we're in now or in their regular lives or how it would deal with Uh, their salvation, how it would deal with their family lives, how it would deal with their their working life, strive to live by the words that are written within his book. And that's that's a small group. And that small group is in between a host of people in our nation who are relatively all the same. From the worst criminal you can think of in our criminal justice uh, uh, division of of law to your next door neighbor who seems to be a pretty good guy. They all fit within the same category. You can put within this category child abusers, And those who love to take their children perhaps out on the lake for a nice Sunday stroll. You can put within this group rapists and men and women who've been married together for 65, 75, 80 years. You can put within this group men who have, through malicious intent, killed another person and those who would never even entertain the possibility of that thought. You can put into this group those uh, from the most strict cult, cultist ideas in religion to those who are at the slackest end of religion in our society. And the group title is this. Out of whack, <laughs> that's, I know that's an awful term, but I can't think of a better one. Out of whack priorities. Priorities that are out of order. If, and now listen, because this, this whole thing is predicated right here. If God is not first, 
he will not be at all. So many times people look at us when we say that and they say, well, the God that you serve must be self-centered and self-absorbed so much so that he has to have all of those following him tell him how good he is. No. Our God is so good and so powerful and so wonderful and loving and giving that because he is that way, that's only what he deserves. And neither can my tongue make enough sound or even the proper sounds of vocabulary to tell you how great he truly is. But we live in a group of, of people whose priorities are shifted, whether it's shifted all the way to the right or all the way to the left or just a little bit. That's why we can put people together uh, like uh, a man who would mail a, a mail bomb to somebody or just another man who would deliver the mail who's not faithful to God. Because out of all of those things, the problem is they're just a little askew. Their priorities are not right, and because they are, no matter what they do, they're just not going to be right. And it has to happen that man get his priorities right first, and then his life falls into line. That's what we preach every week. That's what you hear, at least in various forms, Every time we have the opportunity to take this pulpit. Isn't that right? At the end of all these things and you see me come down here, you hear what? You ought to obey the gospel, right? Or you ought to live the way you said you were going to, right? All of those things are just a plea for you and me to make sure that our lives and the priorities of going to heaven are in the right line. And we're given that opportunity every single day until there is no longer breath in our bodies or until the Lord returns. And that's the problem in this book. You have a group of people who started out strong and then the priorities shifted. It used to be Brother Elkins who jokingly would say tongue-in-cheek that confession is good for the soul. So, I am not handy. There, I said it. If I, if I fix something around the house, it's because I found it on YouTube and I figured out how to do it that way. That's terrible, I know. I'm just not very handy. You ever wanted to do something and been on fire for some sort of project around your house to get most of the stuff there and almost ready and kind of got a plan going till life kind of happened and two or three years later, the stuff is still right here ready to go. We just haven't done anything with it. Is that just me? All right, so in a few moments when we extend the invitation, there are plenty of seats down here. That's, is that just me? Uh, it was probably not just me, is it? We, we all sort of 
begin something and, and we are, are extremely excited about those things. And as time wanes through it, sometimes we sort of just forget about it. Well, Israel here in, in Haggai started out great. I mean, they were, they were headed toward the end like a runaway train. They were going and getting it. And something happened. which would cause this man to need to stay home that day and fix something at his house. Then something happened where his, where his working partner would have to stay and, and go. And eventually, they got cold on the project God sent them to do. And I hate to say this, but I don't know that I can blame them. Because I very often sit right inside that pew with them. You're very on fire for something only to have it sort of peter out. Only to sort of have it stamped out. Only to sort of have it extinguished. Uh, here's what he says. Let's start in verse number... We're going to start in verse number 2. By the way, here's an old preacher's trick. Would you like to know why we're going to start in verse number two? I can't say all those names. <laughs> in verse one, you're going to find the lineage of Haggai. Then Jesus speaking to him, or God speaking to him, thus saith the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. And then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses? And that this house lie in waste? Now therefore, saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You've sown much and you bring little. You eat and you don't have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but there's none warm. And he that earneth wages... Put those wages into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring the wood and build the house, and I'll take pleasure in it, and I'll be glorified, saith the Lord. You look for much, and lo, you came to little. When you brought it home, did I, I did blow upon it, blow it away. Why? said the Lord of hosts, because of mine house that is lying in ruin. And you run every man to your own house, therefore the heavens over you is stayed from dew. The earth is stayed from a fruit. And I call a drought upon the land, and upon the mountains, and upon the corn, and upon the new wine, upon the oil, and upon the, that which bringeth, or that ground which bringeth forth, and upon all men, and cattle, and the laborers of the hands, and then Zerubbabel gets into it. Let's start with the latter portion and work our way back to verses 3 through 7. God says, because your priorities aren't right, I am going to withhold normal average blessings so that you know and you understand from whence they come. Normal, average blessings. You say, what is that, preacher? Water? Food? 
cool breeze, lands that bring forth something. He's, I'm, I'm just going to kind of blow that away, and those seeds are not going to produce. Why? Because they're looking at it wrong. Because they're approaching it wrong. Because they started out great. And they ended up not so great. I want us for the next couple of moments to look at the phrase. It's mentioned twice here from, from 3 to 7. And the phrase is, Consider your ways. Haggai looks at them as he begins and he says, What in the world are we doing? The house of God for which we were sent back from captivity, that was the job, that was the duty. That job is not being completed. Oh, but I see that you have uh, the latest Bluetooth internet at your house. And I see that you have in the closed-in garage at your house. And I see that you have the nice polished wood floors at your house. And the dishwasher and all those kinds of things at your house. And it is the fact that birds are building their nest inside the structure we're trying to build for God. He would say, if he were from Munford, Alabama, what in the world are we doing here? We started on a task, we never completed it, and now we're looking at it as if, uh, well, somebody will get that someday. Why does in the first place, why does he ask them at the first outset to consider their ways? Well, as we look at it, as he makes a comparison from God's house that they are uh, sent back to build to their own personal houses, it's because they've lost, they've lost sight in which one is important. When you read the word sealed or paneled, depending on which version you read there, you're reading of the, the newest technological advances known at the time. They had all the bells and whistles. Their house had everything that you would possibly want. But where do they go to worship? You know, the Jewish nation was required to meet on the Sabbath, just as you and I, through the New Testament, are required to meet on the first day. Where'd they go to worship? Think they sat in a nice air-conditioned building like this at worship? Could you imagine having the air on and, uh, let's say, this th the roof missing? Uh, we're going to get to that. Don't, don't look at that. We'll hang a sheet over it or something. Or perhaps this third of the, of the auditorium didn't have padding, which would be a travesty. And it didn't have padding. Or maybe just half of this section doesn't have seating at all. You know, we started a place 
to meet to worship God, but we never saw it through. Here, not only is this a place to meet to worship God, this is the sanctioned place of God to meet Him. Not just any building that a church would occupy a couple of times a week in order to be together at the same place. This is the temple, and they just don't care. To which he's going to say, what are we doing? If we're not going to follow God's word, why are we even trying to do this? What's the point? Why don't we just go out and have a Coke and a smile? Because if we're not trying to follow God, this that's only halfway built doesn't even matter. The pagan world showed that you can follow any kind of God anywhere you want to. And, and for them, that's the case. The fact is, you can only follow God according to His specifications. Now look at the second Consider your ways. God says, you didn't get the message the first time. I've asked you about the, the house that you're supposed to build. You didn't get the information. And you have sown so much. You should be overflowing with food, but you have very little. Why is that? Hmm. They just had a string of bad years, you think? Yeah, yeah, they did. They sure did. And who's holding that string? You, you have something to drink, but it's just not nearly enough. You ever been real thirsty? Real, real thirsty? And you got something to drink, and it didn't satisfy your thirst. You wanted something else. This is where they've been living. You, you have something to drink, but it's... Uh, it's satisfactory, but it's not enough. You have clothes. And they'll do. They cover you, but you don't get any warmth from it. And then my favorite one. And you, 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 you make money. Only to put it in your money bag. And every time I see that, I see a green bag with a little money sign on it. Do y'all see that? only to put it inside this bag, for this bag to have holes in it, and just fall out on the ground, and you think everything's hunky-dory. I, I got me a money bag. Look at that. It ain't got nothing in it. To which God would say, why do you think all these things are happening? Why do you think they're happening this way? Why do you think I have restricted those things that you take so much pleasure in and those things that you take so much pride in and those things that you, you put all of your, your time and effort toward? Why do you think I have slowed those things down to a drip? Consider your ways. Now let's get out of the 5th century before Jesus comes. And let's move toward the 21st century after the year of our Lord's birth. And let's ask ourselves this. What plans do Je does Jesus have for the church for which we have at one point 
been excited to start only to have those fires extinguished. I guess we could all name something, couldn't we? Church, consider your ways. Is that really what you want to be doing? Is that really how we want to meet Him? By starting something and never seeing it to completion? Take for a moment the life of Jesus the Christ. Gold, frankincense, myrrh, all of those things uh, adorn the child Jesus. What if when Jesus is about 28... What if Jesus says, you know, that plan of God's a good one, but I don't, think, I don't think it should involve me. That plan of God started out so well in Bethlehem only to be extinguished before the, the real preaching and sacrifice of Jesus ever got started. And we would sit in a building much like this, mourning the fact that we had no salvation and that we're lost. And had no hope of salvation. What, what have we started that we ought to see through? Notice this, consider your ways. Church, individual church member. What is it, and we all have it, what is it that you'd rather put in front of the church? There's something that would urge you back into the ways of the world. Something that would urge you to simply put aside the plan of God for you and for His church. What is it for you? Church member, listen to the words of, G, of, of Haggai the prophet some now oh, about 2,600 years ago. Consider your ways. There's a man a small town in Alabama. And he was considered one of the most religious men to be within that particular area. As a matter of fact, everyone would, would look up to him. And they would begin to say, if I can pattern my life after this gentleman, I'll be doing great. He was uh, one of the leaders in a local denomination Aside from having uh, the idea of what God would say completely wrong, we would look at him and say, that's a great fellow. 
He's a good guy to be with. He's not going to pull you down uh, desperate roads. And then this man died. And a grandson of his starts to clean out his house and, and, and move those belongings around. And they get down to the basement to find stacks. This is way before the internet. Stacks and stacks and stacks of child pornography. We began to look at that gentleman after death and we began to say, why, why didn't someone see those things? That, that I had an opinion of that fellow. Now, now my opinion is tainted of that fellow. You know, because that sin's worse than the one that you like. Right? And that sin's exactly the same as the one that you like. Did it taint the reputation he had? Absolutely. Changed it. Church, before they're cleaning out your house, you'd better consider your ways. As we are all hurling toward that final day. And we are all getting closer day by day to a moment where we will stand and face God in eternity. And I will guarantee this to you. If you and I don't fix it, he's going to bring it up. There's going to be a discussion about it. And we're not going to like how that discussion goes. What was more important than me? What was more important than my kingdom? And our only answer can be nothing. But you didn't, you didn't live like that. It's so very important that those who are following after God continue down that narrow path. It's so very important that we put blinders on to the world and that we keep our priorities straight so that we don't have that conversation with God on that final day where we have to take a moment to consider what we did Instead of working on those things now. Instead of considering those ways now. Changing and being faithful. Welcome to the book of Haggai. You've got to change. Welcome to the church. You've got to change. It used to be an old statement that, that said, God will take you right where you are. That's a fact. Let me, give you point, the, let me give you the flip side of that coin. Are you ready? God will take you right where you are, yep, but you can't stay there. You've got to change. If you want to be his child, if you want to be his faithful child, you have to put aside self and bear the cross of the Savior through repentance, confession, Baptism. You can be added to the church. You can be his child if you just will. Church, it might be the fact that you've done those things, but as you look at your life and look at it through the lens of this, consider what you are doing.
Or consider what you ought to be doing. Are all those things sunshine and roses? If the answer is yes to that, let me say to you, keep going because we need that example. If it's not, in just a second we're going to stand and sing a song. It's going to be a great time for you to consider your ways as we stand and sing an invitation for you.